In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. When darkness surrounds you, how do you find the light? Welcome to GirlfriendIt, where we want to rally you to do the remarkable. This is Patty and Lisa, and today we will be talking about leading in hope. And how do we lead in hope, ye old wise ones? Well, I'll tell you how, Lisa. Actually, that is why we invite guests to come on the show, so we can glean from them. We can't be the experts on everything, you know. Well, that, that is true, and we are so far from being the experts. But um, getting into the show today, because I want to jump right in, because we have a fabulous show with some incredible women. And first of all, it's going to be kind of like a little reunion among girlfriends for me, so I just want you to know you're going to have to kind of sit and join us a little bit here, and you have your coffee ready and your water, so you're ready to go. But our first guest is a, is a dear friend of mine. It's like a, friend, a girlfriend of the heart who someone I have shared a lot of life with over the years, and I hate to admit, but I think we go back over, a little over 20 years, and wow. we met when we were like, you know, 10 years old, of yes, course. absolutely. And um, Kathy Wannenberg, um, just a dear friend, we have shared a lot of life together, and you're talking about the darkness and the light, and, you know, hope is finding the light in the darkness. And we've done a lot of, uh, we've been through some journeys of loss and some darkness, and but we've lived a lot in the light. And so, Kathy, I am so excited to have you join Patty and I today on the show. So welcome to Girlfriend It. It is so good to connect, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Well, we are just so excited. And we know that this um, topic of hope is just dear to your heart, and it really is kind of your heartbeat. Can you just briefly share a little bit of your story that led to the significance of hope in your life? You know what? Um, I think really it starts even as a child growing up in a little town of 300 and just being involved in people's lives. And our family even had a funeral business. So, I mean, I was always around people. I used to play hide-and-go-seeking caskets. So, okay, kick me off the show, whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like it just starts with a lot of hurt in my life. You know, my parents divorced. I went through um, a step-family situation with a substance abuse in, in, uh, in our family and just a lot of hurts. But, you know, out of those hurts, Lisa and Patty, it was like I just could do nothing but try to help others. There were always other gals that would come around me and say, could you talk to me about that because I've gone through it too. So really my 
passion for hope has been born out of my own, I call it my life resume of hurt. Mm-hmm. And it's all of the different things. And, you know, one significant experience, which I know you experienced, and you were such a hope lifter for me, Lisa, is the loss of my son when I found out I was carrying a baby with a fatal birth defect. Mm-hmm. And you came alongside of me and in a time that I needed it, and another friend, Jan, and lifted me in a great, amazing way. But through that, that was almost 15 years ago. Can you believe it? No. Uh, yeah, it's been, he just celebrated his 15th birthday in heaven. And there have been multitudes of women, even around the world, that I've had the opportunity to just, out of my own hurt, mm-hmm. you know, reach out and give them hope and kind of lead the way through what I've gone through, like what you and Patty are doing with Girlfriend. It. Mm-hmm. You know, you lead the way with your life experience to reach out. Even if you didn't go through the exact same thing, you understand that language of loss or that language of hurt. And you know, that's what's just birthed my passion to reach out to any woman anywhere in any way I can mm-hmm. to just come alongside of her in her pain. But you know what? It's like even if you're suffering, you can persevere. And when you persevere, you build character and you do have hope. So no matter who's listening that might be hurting, you know what? You do have hope even though you don't know it yet and you can lead the way for somebody else. Well, and that is so true. And, Cap, when I think of you, I think of you're the ultimate encourager among women and people. And I know you, you know, like I said, we've done some life together. And even in the darkest moments, you are still a light for others um, selflessly. And I, I think it's, it's a good point we talk about because, like, Patty and I, you know, we, we kind of came together through through the loss of our moms. And, and, you know, you and I have experienced loss and been there for births and, and deaths and, and all sorts of life. Um, but it's always about just coming together and finding through the pain, which pain is such a connector of people, but pain also leads to passion. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, and can you kind of explain about that, like your passion now is both of some of your pain? Yeah, you know, the, the passion I had for, for many years was for working women that were out there that, you know, nobody understood them. And I felt really misunderstood, especially a woman of faith living in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so out of my own pain, that grew a passion for these women. And then out of that came a passion for women that um, they just feel disconnected or just don't feel like they fit in. And, um, you know, are leaders that are really weary, women that are just weary, that are just broken, that has just uh, built a passion for that um, and me wanting to just come alongside and help them and however I can. You know, I, there's three kinds of women I really always run into, whether it's at Starbucks, it's, I call them the leaders, those women of influence, and we're all leaders women, you know, anybody that's influencing anybody, whether it's kids at home or whatever, that you kind of feel, you know, left out sometimes or you feel discouraged. And losers, anybody's lost anything. And then people that have a dream. Mm-hmm. So those are the three groups that I'm really passionate about, and, you know, one group I started doing, I don't know, you haven't been on my bus trip yet, but you and Patty need to come. Maybe we'll do a show on the bus, but I started <laughs> having, I thought, you know what, let's get all these women together, these hurting women, and I thought, you know, I've lost a child, and, you know, around Mother's Day, it's kind of hard if you've lost a child, even if you've had a miscarriage, or no matter if it's a grown child or an unborn child, so I thought, you know what, let's just get a bunch of girlfriends on the bus, so I chartered a bus, I do that every year, and I say, come get on the bus, and we're going to treat you to a day away with God, because... That's a way we can get us all together, and I'm passionate about getting women together for hope. And I don't charge women in anything. I just do a pay-it-forward thing, but just to get us out of town for a day to celebrate 
what we share in common, that language. And I'm passionate about doing that with women. And, um, you know, I do that another, you know, three times a year. I've got one coming up in October. But I just want to pour out whatever I've gone through. We go through what we go through to help others go through what we went through. And uh, there was another time, Lisa, I think the time you're talking about it was when I was a leader, I felt really alone. I felt like I was pulling everybody else along, mm-hmm. and I needed somebody. And I just cried out to God. I said, God, could you help me? I need somebody to teach me how to speak and write and pray. And I don't know where to go. And you know what? Amazingly, a friend gave me a book, and through that book, it was like, changed my life. This author changed my life because it was exactly what I needed. And then I um, called her, and next thing I know, she was coming to town. And um, she poured into my life like a woman that I needed at that time, a mentor that had led the way for me and hope to to have hope that, you know what, I could do some of this, my dreams. Um, you've been that woman for me, Lisa. You've come alongside of me in times when I felt like I can't do that. And so because of you doing that for me, I want to do it for others. You know, so that's why it was easy for me to say, yeah, I'm going to come get on your show because I really want to bring hope to other women. Well, and you really do epitomize hope. And um, the, the gal that you're referring to is this author. Um, mm-hmm. We're so excited because she is coming on next. And, and she just she is a woman, too, that has impacted my life from a distance. And um, it, it's cool when girlfriends get together and they share their passions and their pain and they come together to complete each other, to really be um, that that hope, and directing people back to the heart of Christ to go, that's where the hope comes from, and you can get through this. And so I've always appreciated that about you, and, um, and you're directing others and, and hope, and that, that is such a passion that has not faded in your life. Well, Kathy, you mentioned that there are three kinds of women, and I, and I love right. how you said there are the influencers, and then the losers, and then right. the consumers, um, and that you just like to come along and reach out to to women anywhere at any time to give them hope, what would be a tip that you would, let's just, for example, the the losers, someone Mm -hmm. who has come along beside you and they are in that lost season of their life. Um, I know know for me when when I was going through that that season, sometimes when women would come along and they, they would feel like they needed to give you scripture every five seconds, that that wasn't necessarily what what I needed as much as God's word is just fabulous. Um, there are there are just times that you're not ready for people to practice their memorization on you. So, what kind of tip would you suggest for women? You, you know, I think the biggest thing is just to be available, and sometimes that means not saying anything. Just that gift of your presence um, might be a hug. It might be. My big token thing is if I hear somebody's gone through a loss, I don't care if it's what kind of loss it's been. I go and I buy Kleenexes of every size and candles, and I show up with a big wash basket on their front door, and, and I give them a hug, and that's what I do. I give them permission to feel the pain of it, and I don't say a lot. So that's the biggest tip that I can tell people is just to uh, be available and just to be there for them without saying it with words. I love that, just to be there. You know, it goes back to um, in the Old Testament or just in, in, cult, in different cultures, how they would just sit at the threshold or just sit on the doorstep for right. days. So you just know that, that that cheerleader is there if you need it. Just by your talk. side. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. just there. You don't have to talk. You're just there. 
And, and Lisa, and Lisa and I have spent weekends like that together in tears, maybe in the same room, but, you know, in those dark times. But it's just, as you, as you said, you know, people want to just throw out a scripture to you. And sometimes we don't, we, we all know that, those of us that are believers, but we just need to be validated and say, I'm really sorry you're hurting. I'm so sorry for your loss. And that's sometimes all we need to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we only have like a minute left, Kath, and this has gone by so fast, and you have so many great things to say with this. But I think I love that just show up sometimes. And I think sometimes when somebody is dealing with pain, we feel so inadequate in our words. And so we, instead of doing something, we do nothing because we don't even know what to say or we want to be inappropriate. And so we will err on the side of doing nothing. And I like how you said, you know, sometimes it's just being there, showing up, sitting there, you don't have to use words, and and I think so many times we think it's all about the words, but it's about our presence, and right. um, I like that, because that can be an incredible gift of hope. So stay with us as we continue talking about hope. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell. Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, thanks for joining us today. We are talking about leading and hope, and our next guest is just a dynamic woman, someone I met almost 20 years ago through our mutual friend, Kathy Wunderberg, who you just heard from. And um, Carol does the Speak Up with Confidence workshop, and I first met Carol at a Speak Up with Confidence workshop that um, a, a ministry that I was a part of had sponsored. And when I heard Carol, I was immediately taken by her authentic faith and her dynamic speaking ability. And she was just a woman I thought, okay, I could sit under her feet, and uh, she is the real deal. And so, Carol, we are just so excited to have you with Speak Up because your resume is quite extensive. You're an author. You're a speaker. You're a, a girlfriend. You're a mom. You're a wife. You've spoken at Women of Faith conferences. You have several books that have been uh, bestsellers, and you have a new book that we want to talk about in just a few moments. But i got to tell you, the first book I read of yours was The Secret Longings of the Heart, and that book so impacted me. And you had a phrase in there that even Patty and I used to this day, and you, you asked a question there, or somebody had asked you, and you said, what makes you weep and pound the table? And um, that question took you on a journey, and that question has taken us on a journey. And I've, I've thought about that question many times in my life about truly what makes me weep and pound the table and gives you that passion to be able to endure pain sometimes to really live with hope. So welcome to Girlfriend It, Carol. Introduction, it's really a privilege to be on the air with you. Well, it, we are so honored, we got to tell you, because we know that your schedule is just crazy busy. You're literally all over the world, and um, you're in demand, and you're running nonprofits, and you're speaking at conferences, and you're leading workshops, and... I don't know how you have time to fit everything in, but we're just honored that you, you're joining us today. So we just want to just kind of jump in because we know our time is limited. It's going to go by so fast, and we could just spend days with you. But can you just give us a glimpse into a little bit of your life, your background, how you became Carol Spence, the author and the speaker? Well, I actually trained to be a teacher, and I taught drama speech and English for four years, and then I spent two years directing an alternative education program for pregnant teenagers where I would individualize subjects so that pregnant girls in the school district where I lived could stay in school during the duration of their pregnancies. And from there, I became a director of women's ministries with Dr. David Jeremiah when he was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then I became a Bible study fellowship teaching leader, and people started asking me to speak at their conferences and retreats. And uh, as I was finishing up teaching Bible study fellowship, I realized there were so many women who had a story to tell, but nobody had ever told them how to put the details together without talking for at least three days. Now, you wouldn't be that wordy, I know, <laughs> but it's pretty hard for some of us to summarize our stories. And uh, some of them, these women had a wonderful, deep love for the Word of God, but they weren't sure how to outline it, how to find an aim, and how to do the application questions and help people to grow. And I thought, well, maybe from what I've learned about being a director of women's ministries and what I've learned about teaching speech, I could help to speed up the process so that people could really learn to speak up with confidence more quickly for God's glory. And that really is how the seminars began. And then God just kept opening more and more doors for me to do keynote speaking. And then an editor attended a workshop and said, have you ever put that into a book? And, and I said, well, I really don't know what I would do to do a book proposal. She said, well, I can help you with that, and God opened the door for my very first book, which was Speak Up with Confidence, but the second was Secret Longings of the Heart. Thank you for quoting from that book. 
<laughs> well, it was it really did impact me, and I remember just gobbling the pages and, and dog-earing the pages and yellow highlighting, and I still have that book, the original, the one, the first the first draft of that book that had a totally different cover than it does today. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's it was through going, a transition or two. Pardon? It has gone through a few transitions. Well, it has, and you know what? It is timeless, and that just says a lot about you and your writing, because it really does speak to a woman's heart, and... Um, and you can pick that up. It doesn't matter, you know, what time or what what period you are in your life. It still is relevant. And uh, you so your writing much. style is just, and your speaking. But you have authored several books from there. And can you just kind of continue with us a little bit about your journey and your story? Well, our lives turned upside down a, a little over a decade ago when our son, who was a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, uh, was in nuclear engineering school in Orlando, Florida, and he'd just been out of his academy years for a year. He joined a great church, and they had a, a Bible study for young single adults with about 300 of them studying the Word of God together every week. And there were girls in those Bible studies, and uh, Jason got very interested in one of them. And by the end of that summer, we knew he was in love. And we called home for messages, and on voicemail, Jason said, Mom and Dad, some things are coming down. We have to talk. It's at a moment like that you wish your child would add two or three more sentences about what is coming down. Well, we got a hold of him later, and he said, My orders have changed. I have to be at Surface Warfare Officer School in Newport, Rhode Island on September 8th. April and I are in love, and we want to get married next Friday so we can go together. So Patty and Lisa... My only child was asking to marry a woman I had never met next Friday, and then we discovered that she had been previously married and had two children, and it was a little overwhelming for me. And I was so happy we were in a hotel that had two telephones because my husband is very even-keeled, and I have occasional highs, occasional lows. And I said, Lord, hey, what's going on here? And I got back on the phone, and I realized my boy was in love. He was getting married, and we had a choice. We could either choose to get on board or we could cause a rift that just might last a lifetime. And we encouraged them to come to our then hometown of Port Huron, Michigan, to be married with the accountability of family and friends around them, and they did, and we had a beautiful wedding on a picture-perfect day, Mm. and these darling little girls, six-year-old Chelsea and three-year-old Hannah came into our lives. Within a half hour, little Chelsea grabbed my hand, kissed all over it. She said, you're my new favorite Grammy. Well, that was working. And And you were hooked. Oh, I I was so hooked, and little Hannah would sit at my kitchen counter and sing songs about how much she loved Jesus, and uh, we got to know April and loved her. She'd been married at the age of 16 to a man 10 years her senior. There were multiple allegations of, of abuse in this marriage and with the little girls, and we realized that God had brought us three beautiful girls, April and then little Chelsea and Hannah, and oh, how we were looking forward to seeing this young family thrive. But the big story comes uh, a year later. Uh, there the biological father of Chelsea and Hannah was trying to get unsupervised visitation of his daughters. And in retrospect, Jason began to unravel emotionally, mentally, spiritually. 
And we as parents got one of those middle-of-the-night phone calls that no one ever wants to get. And I'll, I'll never forget having Gene pick up the phone and seeing this look of shock and horror come over his face. And he said, Carol, Jason has just been arrested for first-degree murder. He has shot and killed the first husband of April, and he's in the jail in Orlando. And uh, I remember nausea sweeping over me. I tried to get out of bed. My legs would not hold my weight. And I crawled my way into my office and grabbed the phone. When I called the jail in Orlando and finally someone answered, a rude voice on the other end of the line after I asked about our son said, Lady, we ain't got nobody by that name. Jason can in here. Lady, your son ain't here. And Mm. for a moment, my hopes rose. But as our followed hour, the facts of the case were confirmed. Our son had pulled a trigger in a public parking lot, and a man had died. And we began our journey into what I call a new kind of normal. And uh, that is the name of one of the books on our journey. When I Lay My Isaac Down is a book many people have read on our journey through the trial. And Jason, after two and a half years, was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And uh, the book that is the most recent that our son has participated in, that there's a new small group DVD series for, is called Between a Rock and a Grace Place. And we talk about what God keeps revealing to us, you know, the first thing you want to do is curl up in a an embryo position and just give up on life because Absolutely. it feels too painful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bet we have a few listeners today who have felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So how how old was Jason then? By the time he came out of the academy, and at then, the time of his arrest, he was twenty five years old. He was twenty five. 25 years old. Just seems unbelievably shocking to me to this day. He was so young, and uh, there was just so much going on in his head with fresh from military training, believing that his girls were in danger, and believing at that point that the legal system was not going to prevent his uh, the biological father of the girls, to have unsupervised visitation with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, we just see it as the enemy perverting his thinking in such a horrible way to think that he was the only one who could save his girls. Mm-hmm. And he writes letters throughout between a rock and a grace place, and he, he just shares what went on in his mind at that time. And he says, I began to make an idol out of my own ability to protect my girls instead of trusting God to protect them. He said, I was wrong. What I did was against the laws of God and man, and I am paying a huge price for it. But uh, I allowed the enemy to pervert my thinking into believing I was the only one who could save them. And it just is one of those stories where you think this would not even be on uh, one out of a hundred possibilities of what could happen in my life, but it did. And it's one of those things where you just look back and say, you know, in the beginning, all you do is say, breathe, do the next thing. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you have a crisis enter your life, all you can do is is just take in air and hope you remember to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing we have a few listeners today who who can identify with what I went through. It was hard for me to read the Bible because I would be crying so hard, my eyes would just cloud over. And then I would find myself reading a verse 
and I'd have to read the same verse ten times because when your mind is in such a chaotic state, you can't remember what you have just read. Mm-hmm. And so I really began to rely on scripture that I had memorized before the crisis, and that was what helped me tremendously during this difficult time. Well, Carol, we are out of time, and I want when we come back from a break, we would like to really unpack that, how you were able to take Scripture and use that for your hope and station. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on Togginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep in the topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back and we are speaking with Carol Kent, talking about how do we lead with hope. And her newest book that is coming out right now is Between a Rock and a Grace Place. And we are just talking about her son who at 25 years of age ended someone else's life. And it's the most horrific thing that you can ever imagine having to go through as a mother 
and to to watch your son in any kind of pain, yet alone to know that he will always be be behind bars, and yet to see the hope in all of this, Carol, is just amazing. But you made a comment in the last segment about how Satan will pervert anything, and he is the master of deception, and we're all capable of anything, and you just see how even growing up in a strong Christian home with Christ and the light and everything around us, how you can start moving in that direction. And just mm-hmm. kind of unpack that a little bit more, because I'm sure now after that's taken place, you've, you've really been able to see it unfold on a full screen. Well, my heart really hurts for parents who have poured everything of Christian principle into their children, and you watch them grow up, you watch them make lots of right decisions. Our our son, who is also our only child, by the way, uh, was president of the National Honor Society in high school, went on missions trips with his youth group. There was absolutely nothing in his teenage years that would ever have made us think he could make such an irrational decision as to take someone's life. And uh, I I really look at the enemy as someone who is so conniving that he thinks, where is that person, whether it's a mom, a dad, or a a young person, where is their most vulnerable place? Mm -hmm. And if you would have asked me before the murder what I felt Jason's strongest area was, I would have told you it was his sense of righteousness Mm -hmm. with a real, almost an obsessive, compulsive passion. He was somebody who would do what he felt was the right thing, and uh, he would involve himself in compassionate uh, kinds of ministries, uh, from missions to raising funds for Christian radio. And I think the enemy saw his weakness, and his weakness is that he truly believed his ability to protect his children was being taken away from him because the biological father of his stepdaughters had had supervised visitation in a place where he was observed for a number of months. And of course, in that setting, he didn't make any wrong choices. And he appeared to be very loving and kind to his girls. And our son truly believed that he was evil based on everything he had done in the past. And so I I just see the enemy twisting and perverting his thinking into making him believe that the only right decision he could make was to do the most devastating thing, not only for the victim, but for himself, for his wife, for his girls to to be separated from them for life, incarcerated with a life without parole sentence. It's really overwhelming when you think of the damage the enemy brings on when he can uh, trigger us into wrong thinking. So I am really committed to putting God's word in my heart and mind and into the power of prayer because we need to be praying protection over our children every single day. And uh, I should probably leap ahead in this story to let you know that right now Jason is living for the Lord in a very unlikely place. He's not wasting one bit of his education and his spiritual uh, training and development. He's taking his ninth group of men through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University course, teaching them how to balance a budget and a checkbook. Wow. And, uh, teaching a, a biblical counseling class. He has a group of 12 uh, prayer warriors who he 
has in a group where they just cover each other and the needs of their families with prayer. So we are certainly living a life we did not anticipate, but I am here as a mom to say God never wastes anything we go through. There's no bad choice we can ever make, no matter how devastating, that God cannot use as a platform upon which he can bring himself glory, and I believe that. Now, that is just, that's exciting, and that is amazing that he is behind bars and just has a ministry, and yeah, God uses it, us wherever we are, and through and it's hard. all of our hurt. I mean, yes, it is very, very hard, but, you know, I, I've discovered that I'm more aware of the brevity of life, mm-hmm. and uh, we just, we recently, I, I tell in the new book, about going through uh, the clemency process. Jason had applied to have his case reviewed, and it takes three to five years for your casework to come to the top of the pile before it's reviewed by clemency aides who work for the governor and the chief elected officers in the state of Florida. And we received the most wonderful news that the Florida Parole Commission had recommended that his case be heard, and that almost never happens for someone with Jason's uh, conviction. Mm. And uh, we were told we would need a waiver from the clemency aides before it could be heard before the, the governor and his committee. And uh, we were handed a piece of paper in Tallahassee that said we would get five minutes to present his case, but we noticed the two cases before us got 15 minutes, so we thought maybe we'll get 15. And we sat down, and it was very intimidating. We were on the floor, and it looked like the Supreme Court, all of these eight clemency aides above us in the circular desk area. And we began to answer their questions. And Lisa and Patty, I felt the favor and blessing of God in that room as we were responding to the questions. And they asked if we would gather letters of recommendation from people who believed that Jason would not be a threat to society and and uh, from inmates and their families who had been impacted by his example and teaching. And we spent the next two months gathering these letters and videotapes of programs that had been, on, uh, been done on his story. And uh, we shipped them off to Tallahassee after praying over the box, and three days later, we got a rubber stamp refusal that his case would be heard, and we got it so quickly, we knew it wasn't possible for people in four offices to have read through two inches thick letters mm-hmm. and have a meeting, so it was really a rubber stamp denial, and I, I agonized, I cried like a baby because, oh, as a mother, I so long mm-hmm. for my my son to get an eventual end-of-sentence date. It wouldn't mean an instant out, but it might mean 40 years or 25 or 35 years. And uh, the next day was a visitation day. We can't initiate uh, calls to our son. He has to call us. And I was so depressed. I said, Gene, you go in. That's my husband. I said, I can't face Jason and his prayer warriors with this terrible news. And I went in at noon, and I got through the big double door, and I was weeping as I came in. And my son was waiting on the other side for me. And I cried into his shoulder. I said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. We have gotten nowhere after all this prayer and all this work. And his face was beaming. I could just see the light of Jesus in his eyes. Mm. He said, Mom, 
um, if we had gotten the clemency hearing, we might have thought it was because we had the best attorney or because we had the favor of politicians. But he said, the way this has happened, if I ever walk in freedom again in this lifetime, it will only be because God says I've served enough time and I can better help him on the outside than I can on the inside. And then he paused and he said, and if that never happens in this lifetime, life is short and we'll all be home very soon. And he put his hands in the air. And I'm just so thankful for his attitude in the middle of this. And we grieve for the family of the deceased. We know they lost their son and it just breaks our hearts. But we know that God is still victor and that he is not wasting the sorrow for any of us. Wow, that that is amazing that Jason can have that perspective. And attitude really is everything. And like you said, just to see Jesus in his eyes, just to know that, you know, each day he's waking up with that perspective. And, Mm -hmm. And so many of our listeners out there, it's just to be able to wake up and make that choice to have that perspective. I know I'm on the other end of that, Carol. My mom was murdered, and the man who murdered my mom is is waiting for execution right now. So the oh, court system, it's... Sorry for what you've been through. Well, it's just, um, like you said, going through the Supreme Court and the appeals and, and all that yeah. on, on the other side. But it, it really does all go down to that, that attitude towards Christ and how yes. people take every single thing in your life, depending on how you're waking up in the morning. And mm-hmm. you had mentioned um, just going by the verses, even the ones that you, you memorized... Can you share a little bit about that, just the hope? And if we do not get into God's Word, not that we can bury our nose and not, you know, also live life, but just share a little bit about that, how you're leading in in hope. Well, I would love to do that. Uh, One of the things that, that happened early on is that I was finding it was hard to choose life. And by that, I don't mean I was suicidal, but it was hard for me to choose to get up and live a normal life or to... To, to feel alive spiritually. And I remember going through this basket of cards that had come, and I realized people were sending sympathy cards, the kind you get when someone dies. And I remember throwing the cards in the air saying, my son is not dead, he is alive. And then it hit me again, someone else's son was dead. And I, I just remember sitting there thinking, Lord, Please heal me, help me. And he brought to mind John 10.10 that I had memorized as a kid. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Mm. And it was that memorized scripture that began to roll over and over in my mind. And then two weeks passed and the crime had happened in Orlando and it finally came out on the front page of our then hometown of here on Michigan's uh, Times-Herald, the local newspaper, that the Port Huron Honor student Jason Ken had been arrested for murder. And that next day after the news came out, I had an appointment to get my hair colored and cut. And I had to decide if I would face people, would I choose trust? And I remember getting to the salon and having that surreal experience of feeling like conversations ceased and everyone was looking at me because they, they heard the news. And I thought I could read their minds. Oh, no, there's the mother of the murderer. Why did you read about her son in the paper yesterday? I bet she's embarrassed to be seen in public today. And they weren't saying that, but I was, I was just feeling such 
false shame and such ho- a horrible feeling of what they must be thinking about me. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw in the back of that salon, Azam, my Iranian eyebrow plucker. Now, she takes care of hairy upper lips, too, but that's not a story I'm telling about today. <laughs> and she saw my pain, and she took me by the hand and led me to the back of the salon. She put her arms around me, and she said, Oh, Carol, I pray for you. I pray for your son. I, I pray for all the people involved. And then she pointed at the wall that separated us from the other women. She said, don't you worry about them. They will find someone else to talk about next week. And I'm with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thanks. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Togginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning Rx, the radio show, is on toginet.com. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning Rx programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning Rx comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning Rx can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning Rx, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We have been talking this morning with author, speaker, dynamic girlfriend, Carol Kent, who's been just um, sharing her story of pain that led to passion that has led to hope. And Carol, as we kind of conclude our time together, which has gone by way too fast, um, let's just talk a little bit about your book that you just released, uh, Between the Grace um, 
I kind of got it all messed up. Um, Between a Rock and a Grace Place, and we know you have a DVD series and a, and a guide to go along with it. Can you just share a little bit about uh, that book, the message behind that book, what prompted that book? I would love to. Up until now, Jason, our son, has not really had a voice in any of my books. And so many people wanted to know what went on in his mind, what are the lessons that he's learned, and how has your family grown as a result of all that's happened. And out of that uh, came this book. And we were talking about scripture earlier, and my sister emailed me Romans 9.33 from the message. And in a paraphrase, it goes like this. On the road to Mount Zion, there's a rock in the road, and you can't get around it. But the rock is me. If you look for me, you will find me on the way, not in the way. And, of course, in that scripture, it was the Gentiles who weren't really understanding who Jesus was. He was the block for them. He wasn't, they weren't getting him. And in our case, our obstacles can be so huge. But if we learn to lean into the rock with a capital R, the rock Jesus Christ himself, then we can discover the divine surprises in the tight spots of life. So every chapter is about another dis- surprise that we've discovered. And uh, so it's great for taking small groups uh, through for women to be able to discuss some of their issues. And we talk about being surprised by faith, that you can really hold on to faith and scripture in the middle of your journey. And then to be surprised by compassion. And Jean and I were so surprised by the compassionate acts that others had, had done for us. And they truly became our stretcher bearers. And Kathy Wunnenberg was a big part of of gathering a group of people who prayed for us and helped meet our tangible needs during our initial time of waiting for the trial. And then Jason had a burst appendix about three years ago at the the prison, was rushed to a hospital, had an emergency appendectomy, and was hospitalized there for five days. And we were not allowed to know where he was because he's a maximum security inmate. He had on leg irons with a chain between his legs, and uh, there were two armed guards at his door the whole time. And during that time, my mother heart broke for him, knowing he was alone and in pain. And I prayed that someone would be like a mother to him. And he got back to the prison. He said, Mom, Nurse Betty was in her mid-40s, and she treated me just like I was her son. I was in such pain one day, and she picked me up, and she said, Son, she she had her arms around him. She said, Son, you just lean against me until you get your bearings. And he said, Mom, it was just like you were hugging me. Wow. And he said, God provided someone. And Jason tells his own story in, in that chapter of how God showed compassion to him through Nurse Betty, who treated him not like a scummy inmate who didn't deserve anything, but but like a, a young man who was like a son to her. And uh, I talk about how we can be surprised by gratitude. Mm. You know, when you look around and see somebody who needs help worse than you do, and you start ministering love in Jesus' name, and they thank you, and, and you learn how to be thankful in everything yourself, 
God does a miracle in your own heart. And that's really a big part of what this book is about. Um, My mom and dad were visiting one weekend from Michigan, and my dad's a retired pastor, and somebody said, hey, let's, let's just go around the table and share a scripture that's been meaningful to us. And my mom said, well, I love what Paul said in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will know God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. After we all shared our verses, my sister began to sing, To God Be the Glory, and we all joined in. And then people at the table next to ours were singing with us, and then people at the next table were singing. We thought, we are having a church service at the Hardy Prison, and it is good. (laughs) And the book really talks so much about how you can choose gratitude and find the joy no matter what your journey is. And uh, the DVD series uh, is filled with six 20-minute teaching segments that I teach, and then there's a little participant's guide people can use. And in each of those segments, Jason from the prison shares a piece from his letter that goes along with the theme. And it, it was so powerful when I saw it because I had no idea how it would all come together. And uh, I think the people who take this study will know that they have an opportunity to bond with each other through mutual love love, prayer, and understanding God's truth about getting through tough stuff than they could ever imagine. So pray with me that God will use it in that way. Absolutely. That is, just, that is really significant. And you've, you've said a couple of things that have just triggered. Um, first of all, love the idea of surprises and how God surprises us. Yeah. And um, I love that because God is done fit in a box, and sometimes we put him in this box where we try to predict his outcome, but he really loves to lavish on us surprises and meet us where we are. And, and the other thing that you've been talking about, kind of a theme, is um, just decision. You have to decide uh, on to choose gratitude. You have to decide to, I'm going to look at this as a new kind of normal, like like your book title. I love that because so many times we do have to, repackage our life and repackage how we think about life because life happens to us and we don't have a choice in that, but we do have a choice in how we we get beyond that and how we choose to live our life. So I love how you have chosen hope and chosen gratitude and mercy. And I know in your book you, you talk about an unexpected Christmas gift you received. Can you just yeah. kind of expand on that and how it helped you find grace in the in the middle of a kind of a you know hopeless situation? Well, it was two weeks before Christmas. Jason had already been incarcerated for eight years, and we have all of our Christmas dinners at the prison out of the vending machines because we spend that holiday with our son. So I was feeling a little sorry for myself, and it was 9.15 at night, and my doorbell rang. Well, I thought, it's too late for a delivery. It seems like an odd time for neighbors to be out and about. And uh, my husband met me from another part of the house at the front door, and we looked out, and nobody was there. And then I noticed that this beautifully wrapped Christmas gift was on the porch at the side of the the house. And and, uh, it was absolutely gorgeous. And there was a card on it that said, Mom. And I first thought, what a cruel joke somebody's playing on me. My son is incarcerated. He never could have delivered this, let alone paid for it. And uh, then my curiosity got the best of me. And I thought, well, I am a mom, and it is my porch. (laughs) And I opened up 
the card, and it's, it was from my son. He said, Mom, over all these years, you and Dad have done so much for me, and I've never had the opportunity of doing anything for you since I've been incarcerated. But with the help of a friend this year, I'm able to give you a very special Christmas gift. And I opened up the package, and it was this gorgeous silk russet-colored jacket, exactly the right color for my red hair, and I put it on. It fit perfectly, and I twirled around, and it was as if it was custom-made for me. And it was such a special reminder that sometimes God shows us his love in the middle of our tight spots of life when we are between a rock and a grace place through the unexpected kindness of others who reach out and and help in in truly creative ways. And it was a reminder for me to do the same for someone else. I love that story. That is is really powerful. And talk about surprises, Mm. how God uses other people to surprise us and to just let us know that that he loves us, you know, even to the situations and how loved you felt, not only from your son, but just from God himself. Oh, yes. Well, and well, you, were, you were saying that um, Thanksgiving, you know, you're kind of feeling sorry for yourself. And it's like every <laughs> mom can, I, I mean, you, it really hurts in my heart to hear you even talk about it. Because we, we, you can't help but look at your own son and go, I can't imagine. You just can't so even true. comprehend that. And so in, in knowing that, how did that affect your, your marriage as well? Because I, I know well, everyone grieves differently. They do, and often marriages fall apart over things like this because your emotions are are just so on the edge that little things become major things. And I re- remember uh, one day I just clashed with my husband over our closet. And I keep a very neat house, but my closet is sometimes not very clean and neat <laughs> because I stash things in there. And uh, I remember him saying, why don't you get rid of clothes you haven't worn in a year? And uh, I said, this is my one my one place in the house where I keep some things that aren't put away perfectly. The rest of the house is, is just great. Why don't you just leave me alone in here? And I was pounding on his chest, and I started to cry. And then he said, you know what, this conflict really isn't about the closet, is it? I said, no, it isn't. And we realized it, it was about our son. And we had to start quitting uh, stressing over the small stuff because otherwise we would be at each other all the time. And in our case, our son's incarceration has made our marriage stronger because mm-hmm. we realized we couldn't do it without the other one. It is, it's hard. It's very hard to stand in those lines to go through security. Um, visitation is six hours long, and it takes much of a day to get there, go through the process, and get back home. And it, it would be very, very hard without a supportive spouse. So we have had to make the choice when we feel a little conflict start, we stop and say, what is this really about? And then it helps us to realize that we need to take a breath and uh, come to the point of realizing we don't want to make an issue out of a non-issue. It's not worth it, not worth the stress. And so we've grown together spiritually too. And that's, that's a good point for anybody going through anything is just stop and breathe and just realize, okay, this is really not the issue. What is the mm-hmm. core, the heart that's of it right. all? Um, Carol, we only have just a little over a minute left, but we want to um, kind of let people know what you're doing now. And as a result of your journey, you and your husband have founded the nonprofit organization Speak Up for Hope. Um, can you just leave our listeners with how they can get involved, how they can learn a little bit more about that and what you guys are doing? 
Yes, if they go to carolkent.org, that's .org, they they can click on a little icon for Speak Up for Hope and learn how they can sponsor a women's ministries event to gather toys for the visitation areas or how they can sponsor purchasing a DVD kit for the Youth in Prison Chapel programs. There is a shop at carolkent.org, and if they would like to uh, purchase one of those kits, the DVD series and the participant's guide for themselves, or sponsor one for a prison, we will see that it will get there. And we're excited about that, and thanks for your help. Hey, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 